staying safe and warm on this wintry February day. There must be something about February 22nd since just last year we had a storm like this on February 22nd and I was just reading again about the historic ice storm that happened on February 22nd, 1922. Anyway, this was not our plan A for Ash Wednesday, but after getting word from the National Weather Service uh, there was a warning for our area today, we decided uh, that we needed to act. And so uh, uh, I'm glad to be with you in this way. And we do plan on including an imposition of ashes on Sunday. Uh, to make up for missing today, so we hope you'll attend on Sunday for that portion. A reminder that uh, starting now uh, through the rest of the season of Lent, we will be having Wednesday services on Wednesday evenings at 6 p.m. Uh, these will be services of Holden Evening Prayer, and I'm working on a preaching series on the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapters 5 through 7, which is, you know, Jesus' most famous sermon. We started exploring the Sermon on the Mount in Epiphany, and I was having so much fun with it that I thought we would continue and go a bit deeper uh, in the season of Lent. And that's part of the reason that I wanted to share a little bit about today's text, the assigned text for Ash Wednesday, uh, because it's from Matthew 6, which is part of the Sermon on the Mount. So before we hear our Gospel reading for today, I invite you to take a deep breath, to find a bit of calm, to ask for the Spirit's presence, and to listen with an open heart, to listen for Jesus' words for you and for all of us today. Our reading for today comes from Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said, Beware of practicing your righteousness before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Whenever you fast, do not look somber like the hypocrites, for they mark their faces and show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart 
will be also. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace be with you, friends. And I want to share just a very brief devotion on this text uh, to get us further into the Sermon on the Mount. This text from the Sermon on the Mount is always our assigned reading for Ash Wednesday. It's a text that deals with three of the traditional spiritual practices of Lent, prayer, fasting, and the giving of alms. You're probably familiar with the idea of giving something up for Lent. And that idea is rooted in the traditional idea of fasting for this season in preparation for a season of feasting in Easter. The giving of alms is perhaps a little less familiar in the culture. It's simply the practice of giving to those in need. We don't do it exactly like it might have been done in Jesus' day, but we do stress that Lent is a time of generosity. This is often a good time to look up your local food pantry and to contribute. Part of the idea of pairing fasting with almsgiving is that if you are refraining from some good, some luxury good especially, you might have more to share with others. So it's worth reflecting on that today. And finally, the disciplines of prayer, self-examination and repentance are ways of returning to the God who loves you. That is our calling today. Matthew 6 deals with these Lenten disciplines, and so every year we read it on the first day of the 40-day season of Lent. But Jesus has a challenge for us here. He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Another translation says, Beware of practicing your piety before others. Jesus then expands in the rest of this section on how we should keep our righteousness hidden in prayer, in almsgiving, in fasting. But I think too often we've taken this chapter to mean that our beliefs are purely private matters and that Jesus is letting us off the hook from living out our faith in public. But that sort of message wouldn't make much sense in the wider context of the Sermon on the Mount if we read it all together. After all, shortly before this, just a few verses before this, uh, Jesus says to his followers in Matthew 5, Let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So how can Jesus, in the same sermon, in nearly the same breath, say, Let your light shine before others and beware of practicing your righteousness before others? It would seem that Jesus couldn't ask for it both ways. Either he can ask us to glorify God through our visible good works, or he can tell us to keep it to ourselves. But it would seem that he couldn't ask us to do both, right? As I wrestled with that question, I got some help here from the German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You likely remember that Bonhoeffer was the Lutheran martyr who was killed by the Nazis near the end of World War II. He was part of the anti-Nazi resistance movement and even ran an underground seminary training pastors to defend the truth of God's word in a hostile environment. And even though Bonhoeffer held pacifist views, he became part of the German plot to assassinate Adolf Hitler. And for this resistance, he was eventually arrested and killed. 
But earlier on in his life, during his more academic career, Bonhoeffer wrote his spiritual classic, The Cost of Discipleship, which includes an extended reflection on the Sermon on the Mount. So I've been returning to this book in preparation for this sermon series. Bonhoeffer on Matthew chapter 6, which is our reading for today, uh, has a unique take on this hidden righteousness that Jesus speaks of. He points out that he doesn't think Jesus wants us to hide our righteousness from our neighbors. After all, that would be like lighting a lamp and putting it under a bushel basket, the exact opposite of what Jesus asks us to do. Jesus instead wants, to let, wants us to let our light shine so that others may see the good we do and glorify God. So Jesus isn't saying, hide your discipleship from your neighbors. Instead, Bonhoeffer says, and this is uh, his unique contribution, Jesus wants us to hide our discipleship from ourselves. It's like Jesus says in our text, when you do good, you must not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And here I'll quote directly from the cost of discipleship. Bonhoeffer writes, How is this paradox to be resolved? From whom are we to hide the visibility of our discipleship? Certainly not from other people, for we are told to let them see our light. No, we are to hide it from ourselves. Our task is to simply keep on following, looking only to our leader who goes on before, taking no notice of ourselves or of what we are doing, we must be unaware of our own righteousness and see it only insofar as we look unto Jesus." End quote. This is a bit hard to understand, it's paradoxical, but I think it's worth wrestling with, especially on Ash Wednesday. His point is that if we are only going to do good to display our own virtue, to get credit from others, we're going to get ourselves into trouble. If the focus is on ourselves and our reputation and what we can get from other people, we're not gonna end up doing much good in the end after all. Genuine love is always self-forgetful and hidden, Bonhoeffer says. When we are too focused on ourselves and our own righteous, we're not really available to love others or to glorify God. One way we might summarize what Jesus is saying here is, let's try getting over ourselves and start simply doing the work of discipleship. Pray, fast, be generous to those in need. You must not know what your left hand, you must not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. But I do think this is a challenging word because it is easier said than done. It seems hard to try harder to be self-forgetful, right? The more you try to be self-forgetful, the harder, maybe the further away from it you get. And that's the second part of Bonhoeffer's insight that I'm holding on to today. That if we are to do this, the only way to do it is to look to Christ. Our task, he wrote, is simply to keep on following, looking only to our leader, who goes on before taking no notice of ourselves or what we are doing. It reminds me a little bit of driver's education. I don't know what your driver's education experience was like, but I remember one of the lessons that I received was that if you want to stay in the center of your lane, it's best not to look to the right or the left or to things that are nearby to you, 
but to look towards the horizon down the center of the lane to keep in the center. That if you get too focused on something nearby, you kind of drift one way or the other. And I think the same is true for our path of discipleship. If we focus on what other people are thinking about us or on our own sense of goodness, we're going to drift one way or another. But if we keep our eyes on Jesus, the one leading us toward the horizon, we'll stay in the center of our path. And we'll likely find ourselves doing the kinds of things that Jesus did, the kinds that he would have us do naturally. How can we look to Jesus and not be driven to pray like him? How can we look to Jesus and not be driven to care for the poor like him? How can we look to Jesus and not find ourselves shining like a lamp on a lampstand? The grace of the Sermon on the Mount is always to be found in the person of Jesus, the one who is leading us in his way of love and light and service. And it is this Jesus who comes alongside you today on Ash Wednesday, doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. May Christ be before you and within you as you begin your Lenten journey. Amen. I'd like to conclude with an invitation to Lent. This is the invitation that would have been extended at our Ash Wednesday service. Friends in Christ, today with the whole church, we enter the time of remembering Jesus' Passover from death to life, and our life in Christ is renewed. We begin this holy season by acknowledging our need for repentance and for God's mercy. We are created to experience joy and communion with God, to love one another, and to live in harmony with creation. But our sinful rebellion separates us from God, our neighbors, and creation so that we do not enjoy the life our Creator intended. As disciples of Jesus, we are called to a discipline that contends against evil and resists whatever leads us away from love of God and neighbor. I invite you, therefore, to the discipline of Lent, self-examination and repentance, prayer and fasting, sacrificial giving and works of love, strengthened by the gifts of word and sacrament. Let us continue our journey through these 40 days to the great three days of Jesus' death and resurrection. Amen.